right, good morning, church. Take out your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 12 is where we're going to be today. And as well as Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to read two passages that are very parallel. And I'm going to read them back to back without breaking. So 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to start in verse 12 down to 20. And then Ephesians chapter 4, 11 to 16. We're in week two of our series, Your Part Matters. And last week we started by making the point that if someone wants to live a really great life, that, that was what you were made to do. You're a human being. God is wired into your fabric a certain way of living life. And the way to live life is to live for something that's greater than you. It's what we're all made to do. It's where we're most happy, content, fulfilled, when we have meaning and purpose and we're living as a part of something much greater than ourselves. Um, the fact is you don't have to be great to live a great life and to live it for a great thing and to see great things happen in your life. You don't have to be great. You just have to be gripped by something great and be consumed with it and live your life according to it and lose yourself in it. And that's the key to joy and contentment and everything. And Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And then he says all these things, in other words, food and clothing. All of that will work itself out. You know, uh, isn't that interesting that he, he would say that? These basic, basic necessities, those will be provided. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So, so the calling for any person, if you want to live a happy life, well, you have to find something that's great and you have to lose yourself in it. That's how you live life. But primarily... It's losing ourselves in the greatness of the kingdom that God calls us to as believers. Losing ourselves in the greatest thing that is happening in the world today and ever will happen is losing ourselves in the kingdom of God and living for that great thing and losing ourselves in it. And so in a sense, we talked about last week about putting down the mirror in a sense of living our life for ourselves and looking through a window, looking to the kingdom and being consumed by it and then then living in accordance with it, and everything else sort of comes second. And, and this is the idea. And we continue down that path a little bit today, um, and we have to get a very critical principle in, in the whole thing if we're going to capture how do you live for the greatness of the kingdom? How do you get in there and do it? Where do you go? What do you do? Um, and so we're looking at a very important principle to that. First Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start in verse 20. Read down. Uh, or, sorry, first, start in verse 12 and read down to 20 and then Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Okay, follow along with me. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye... Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? 
But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today and thank you for this imagery that you've given us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would guide our imagery and our mind and our heart, that we would be able to see this text and that we'd be able to see ourselves. And Lord, that we would be able to see your will for our lives. And so we submit to you, and we ask that you would make us guide our meditations here, may it be pleasing in your sight, all for your glory and for our joy. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I want to continue. When you think about this imagery that Paul is giving, it's a common imagery. I know you're very well aware of this. It's a 101 of Christianity, and we're talking about living for the greatness of the kingdom, and I want to give you a couple of principles regarding this um, as we do. I'm going to make four points from our text today, principles that are surfacing out of it about living for the greatness of the kingdom. Number one, it involves belonging. Living for the greatness of the kingdom involves, first, belonging. My father-in-law used to say this all the time, and I guess it just stuck because this is the thing that popped up in my mind as I was thinking about this particular principle. If you are walking um, around in the Texas country 
uh, maybe it's the hill country or out in the middle of nowhere, and you ran across this, what would you conclude? All right. I know what you would conclude. You would say, man, that turtle is really talented. Um, that is a very difficult thing, right? Now, many of you would probably say someone is doing animal cruelty, right? So what you would definitely conclude is it might have had some help. Let me make the case. No one is ever great or achieves anything great alone. If you're going to live your life for the greatness of the kingdom, you must be an expert, a master at living for the greatness of the kingdom together. There is no other pathway. Greatness in life comes from having a great part in something great. But only a part. Name your person that you think is known for greatness. Michael Jordan. There you go again, Casey. Another reference. That's for you, buddy. Uh, he's a part of something great. He had a great part of something great. There's no one great by themselves. And according to our text today, you have a great part to play in the greatest work that anyone can ever be a part of. The kingdom of God. And I want you to notice a few things here. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 12. Baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. I want you to think carefully about that phrase here. In other words, God is forming a body with lots of individual parts. God is forming the body. And he is placing people in his body... By his spirit, he has made you to be a part of his body. Baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. You have been saved and placed into a body by God. And the conclusion is this. To Paul, who's writing this, the massive assumption that he has in his text. To become a Christian and to live the Christian life is to belong to a spiritual family. The second thing I want to take a little further, verse 18 of, of actually Ephesians 4, it says that God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Uh, God has a purpose for you in that body. God has something he wants you to fulfill and to find and discover and to whatever. He has a purpose and a plan for you in that body. He placed you there for his purposes. And there's a whole lot of things he wants to accomplish through you, but the way that he's going to do it, he's placed you in that body. You know, today, many believers tend to think that our relationship with God is sort of an individual, private, one-on-one -on -one with God, and that the church is kind of there if you need help. Kind of like, you know, I'm running out of gas, I need some gas, let me go fuel up. Um, and, and this is not a biblical way of thinking about the church. And if you're going to live for the greatness of the kingdom, you have to get the imagery that Paul's talking about. And you have to see it and understand it because it is the critical aspect of what it means to be a Christian and to follow Jesus. 
And if you get the picture of this body that, that Paul is talking about, it solves you from having to answer, ask a whole lot of other questions. If you get the picture, it helps you know how to navigate. What do I go? What do I do? Get the body principle. And if you get that, you'll understand a whole lot of things quickly. And that's why he has given it to us. But to follow Christ and to be lost in the greatness of the kingdom is to belong to a local church body, a local church family, a spiritual family. And belonging is really tough. Belonging when it comes to first century belonging is very, very different than a sense of belonging in our day. We live in a country that's very transient. We have planes. We can just go wherever we want to, hop this and there, you know, travel in those days. Everything was local. Um, the, the world was different. Belonging was different. The worst thing that can happen to you it, it ever was to, to be cast outside of your, your group and your community um, and, and be rejected in some way. I mean, you would just submit to anything if they would let you stay uh, in because your whole survival as a human being was based on this sense of belonging. A great accountability. You know, they're all up in your business all the time. Well, that was life. That was how it was. And, and, and we don't really like that. We like the individual nature of things. We like to shut our garage behind us, you know, and, and high fences make great neighbors, and we like our distance, and we, 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 we really don't we don't instinctively as a culture embrace the kind of belonging that the first century had. And therefore, it's hard for pastors. I've watched 20 years. We've had to over, 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 over try to teach that the kind of belonging in the New Testament has deep accountability to one another, deep interdependence upon one another. And, and, and we just don't like that. It makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable. So our, our Culture has a, song, a strong sense of connection, and you have a lot of connection through social media. You have a lot of connection because you just meet a lot of people, and there's a lot of people around. Um, but we're very thin when it comes to belonging, the kind of belonging that the Bible's talking about that is necessary for living for the kingdom. Relationships in the church should not just be connections. In other words, you should not think about church as a place I attend to get some good inspiration or to get some good um, inspiration for the week or, or, or strength. That, that, that is a very thin view of, of church according to the New Testament. The church, the level of belonging is that we belong to one another. And, and I belong to you, and you belong to me, and we belong to each other. And, and I'm accountable to you, and you're accountable to me. And, and we're here for each other in times when everything else might fall away. See, most of our relationships are social media and around our work in America, in general. Our relationships, but the problem with that is that your relationships at work are so thin because it's based on your work relationship. I mean, that's how thin it is. You, you changing jobs, is that's, that's how quick your relationships go away, right? You need something that you're a part of that doesn't go away. It doesn't. Uh, and that you, you, you have that type of belonging that's there for you and everything else goes away. And that's what the church is really supposed to have. That type of belonging is what's supposed to be fostered in every single local church. Now, belonging is not easy. You come to a new town, you get into a new church, and you say, I want to foster a sense of belonging. Well, guess what? That takes time. Relationships don't really work like that, right? There should be a level of sense of belonging, but you have to actually commit and persevere and get to know people and make contributions and get involved in the fabric of a local body for you to develop a sense of belonging that the New Testament's talking about. It takes effort. 
And hopefully on the other side, that whole body is really making an effort on their part to make sure that you feel a sense of belonging really quickly and develop that sense of belonging. But it's work. It can sometimes take years or two, two years to, to feel like I'm, 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 a, I'm at home with these people. Um, it, it can be a lot of work, but that is part of living for the greatness of the kingdom, is developing a sense of belonging in the local church. Making sure that you are woven into the fabric of the movements of that local body. It's critical. But secondly, receiving. One of the most um, critical teachings that Christians should master is the nature of the church. Much of what I'm talking about today is the nature of the church. How do we live for the kingdom through the local church? And one of the most important aspects of the nature of the church, biblically, is the teaching of unity in diversity. And you have to get this or you can make a lot of errors. Because it's both and all the time. Unity in diversity. Diversity in unity. Always, always, always. Because we tend to ease the tension of the two, that the two create to one or the other. And, and we isolate the other one. Uh, we tend to do that. But uh, we're always to have those always together. Um, Christianity is quite different from other world religions in this regard. Christianity refuses to be bound within the banks of ethnicity. It will not gravitate toward one ethnicity. It wants to have all of them. Heaven will be made up of what? Every tribe. Every language. Every people, ethnos, ethnicity. The whole goal of the gospel is to get them all in. Embrace them all. Uh, this is Christianity. It's a value to us. Many of the other world religions, you'll see them begin to gravitate any follower or new follower toward a particular ethnic or cultural type of tone. Christianity, we want them all. And this is an awesome thing. Uh, cultural norms. Christianity can adopt and pull in a lot of cultural norms. This is why that you can have an Afghan church that does things in their church, Afghani. Many things. And you can have one in Korea, China, Southeast Asia. You can have all different types of culture for forms brought in to Christianity. We're united in Christ in the head, as the head. But we can adopt and take on all kinds of cultural variances within the body of Christ. Societal structures. We don't have this as much in America, but traditionally, the last couple thousand years, most societies had strong societal, Gentile and Jew. There's a big wall there, and you need to respect it because it messes things up when you don't respect the big wall. And what did the church do? The church just eliminated the wall. It said, no, variety in here, Gentile, Jew. And then you had the whole dynamic of slave and free. Well, well there's some people that are uh, on a certain class, you'd sit, sit over here, and we don't fellowship in the society, so why would we do that in here? No, 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 we throw all of that out. All of that gets eliminated in the church. Why? Variety. All, everyone, unified in the head, Jesus Christ. We remove all of those types of lines. And what's he saying here? Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong. You could hear it in the text, couldn't you? I'm not a hand. Uh, this, is, this is what this is. It's a part of the body feeling as though they can't be a part of the body because they don't 
fit within certain cultural, ethnic, societal, personality type, cl- uh, financial class, social class. They don't fit because they don't fit that body's whatever, whatever that category is. It's the hand going, well, I see a lot of eyeballs, and I'm not an eyeball. I'm going to go to a hand church. Paul says, not in the church. The hand does the hand stuff. The eyeball does the eyeball stuff. Our differences are to be embraced. We want the variety. The gospel wants, God wants the variety. He puts the variety in intentionally to have variety. And Paul says the eyes can't say to the hands, because you're not a hand, I don't need you. And this is the church that likes to be regimented. The desire to have things nice and neat and clean and ordered and specific and categorized and regimented. And you know what the Holy Spirit does? Messes up all the lines and mixes it up and throws in variety and stirs it up and creates an organic type of thing. That's what happens. God intentionally puts in variety. This is the case of churches building their churches based on one type of body part, if you follow the analogy here. Hey, you guys, you know, we're a hand church. You eyeballs, you only cause problems. You can't pick stuff up. All you do is sit around and watch us do all the work. You complain about the little stuff that hurts your feelings. Hands are tough. We can get a splinter and not cry about it. You get a splinter and the whole world's falling apart. Hey, eyeballs, you guys are too high maintenance. Go find an eyeball church where you won't cause as many problems. Paul says God wants all the variety parts crammed together in the same room. That's his will. What if a nicely organized, regimented ministry is not what God is after at all? It feels feels nice, though, doesn't it? It does. Paul says not in the church. This kind of sameness in the church is more crippling of the church. You're starving it of life when you starve it of variety. I can tell some of y'all might even be thinking, you're getting uncomfortable by me just saying this over and over. Variety? Like, what does that mean? Like, who's coming in here? You know, like, and what's going to happen? And what's that, how's that going to affect them? No, no, no. You can feel it in your soul, can't you? And God is saying, I like variety. I want it. I want it all in here. And, and the danger is this. Everything that makes us uncomfortable, we tend to gravitate away from. Instead of understanding the value in my uncomfort and leaning into it. Let me, let me bring it down, okay? The cerebral Christians, those thinkers among us, might say, oh my goodness, here they go again. They're an emotional Christian. They're going to tell another long emotional story and they're going to cry again. Oh my goodness, 
Is she going to have her hands up and move into the aisle during worship? At this, does she know she's being a spectacle or he is being a spectacle? Does she know? I mean, and the emotional Christian could look at the cerebral Christians and go, man, they need to lighten up and enjoy the spirit life a little bit more, right? Uh, they're so cold, right? All our natural instincts say, I need to find a cerebral church where there's more depth because it makes sense that everyone in the church should be as much of a thinker as I am. Or I need to find a more emotionally free church. This place is cold. I need a little more passion. How about we stay together? And how about we understand that although I feel uncomfortable around that or this, God has a purpose for that in me. And I receive from them. In my discomfort, whatever that might be, name your variant, whatever that discomfort might be, that I receive something beneficial that God has for me through them and their variety. Receive. And this is Paul's point. The variety is all there purposefully by God to benefit you in the end. From all kinds of angles, think about how a hand benefits an eye. Interdependence. Fuel. <laughs> Cleaning out. But different. God has this. And it may cause tension. It may make you uncomfortable, but God wants the variety in his church. He wants the variety. And God intends for you to receive from the variety into your own soul something that he has for you from the variety. So we celebrate variety and get what God has for you. So belong and then begin to receive. Thirdly, Giving. It involves giving. Living for the kingdom, belonging to a people, receiving from them in that body, and then now giving. And because the inverse is also true, right? We all need what God wants to provide through the other person to all of us. It says in verse 16 of Ephesians 4, as each part does its work. Each part has to fulfill its work in this collective whole effort. And the call here from Paul is, do your part. Do your part. Guess what? Good news. Nobody does everything. Praise God. But everybody does something. No exceptions. No exceptions. Too many in the church think that the church is them showing up and being benefited by people who are doing the ministry. And I know this is thousands of years of tradition that we're trying to break free from. That somehow the church is you show up, you listen to the preacher, and then you, you get inspired and you, and you go do what he said. Right? And that's Christianity. And, and, it's, and it's a very, very thin slice of Christianity. Um, we have to think of it holistically if we're thinking about the New Testament. The biblical nature of the church teaches that that can't be the case. It can't be the case. And leaders make sure that we try to communicate 
and help you understand, and pastors, help you understand the biblical nature of the church is different than the way we typically have viewed it. And for the sake of illustration, let me help you see. All of these break down, but let me, th- let me help you think about God doing the gospel ministry through this body. What's my role? Because he says collectively he's going to do the work of ministry collectively as a body. Well, the whole, think about it this way. The collective whole of the church is like a car. We could call it a race car. The pastors and the leaders are like the mechanics. Think of it as a race car. We're the pit crew. That's it. We're just trying to make sure you got everything you need. The tire's not going to bust. The engine, oil's changed. You, you got, you're doing this. All the parts are working together synonymously. There's nothing out of whack. That's what I my role primarily is here to do. I was brought here by the Lord. I'm a servant, Lord. You tell me where you want me to go. He says, I want you to come to Bannockburn. I want you to serve this body. I want you to make sure it's healthy. Put it on a good diet. Okay, good. But they're going to be my instrument. I say there. I'm part of it. The body is how I'm going to do the work of ministry in the world. This is my body. This is what I pulled together. And so the servant, the leader is a servant just to make sure we're healthy. And working together and coordinating and all of that. And by the cars moving in the right direction and all that sort of thing. The collective whole of the church is like a team. And the pastors are kind of like the player coaches. That we're just trying to make sure everybody's working together. Everybody's staying in their role. Everybody's doing their role. Everybody's doing it. Okay, this is it. The collective whole of church is the ministry of the gospel. The church does the ministry of the gospel. Let me, let me just see you nod and say... I, by myself, don't do the ministry of the gospel. Please shake your head yes. But no, this is not the ministry of the gospel. This is me equipping you and helping you understand that you're doing the ministry of the gospel. All of you, all of us together. This is me just equipping you. The collective whole of the church is the ministers of the gospel. The pastors are a little bit more of the administers, making sure everything's working together. Okay, I hope you get those pictures. I hope you understand that. That is the New Testament concept of church and how God is working through his church to do his work in the world. But it is also a principle that you need to understand. If you're going to live for the greatness of the kingdom, that is the plan. That is how it works. You have to get into the body. You have to give and receive and play your part in the whole. And all of us playing a part in the whole God, by his spirit, is working the gospel ministry in our community. And people are saved, people grow, all that sort of thing. That's how, this, that's how this works. And so it's absolutely critical that you get it. Some of you may feel like, I don't really have anything special to contribute. What do you have? Make your contribution. You know, you think you don't really have anything to contribute? Well, just you be you. And start plugging in. And do what calls you to do for us. Why? Because we need you. We need you to do what God has through you for us. And if all one of us checks out, if one of us says, I'm, I don't think I'm going to do it, all of us as a whole are cheated. We're, we have less than what God intends for us. So you be you. Don't try to be somebody else. Be you, be who God saved, and be you. God made you for that reason, and he wants you to be you in this body, and as a purpose for that, get to giving. Get to giving in the body. 
Think of the three T's. This is a good starting point. Time. Let me ask you two questions on time. What contribution do you make to the body of Christ with your time? Okay, good. Make your assessment. Good. One to ten, all that, whatever you want to do. But then let me ask you this question about your time. It's a good question to ask. If everyone in the church gave of their time to the degree that you do, where would the church be? I don't ask that question. I heard somebody go, I don't, I don't mean that to convict anyone. I'm just saying it's a great way to rate because the oneness of the body and everyone playing a part. Let me ask you this, your treasure. What contribution do you make to the body with your resources? And let me ask this question as well. If everyone in the body gave financially to the church the way you do, let's just say with a percentage that you do, where would the church be financially? Where would the church be financially? If all of us decided, you just tell us, how much are you supporting financially the, the ministry? And whatever percentage you use, we all decide we're going to use that percentage together. Where would we be? Where would we be? It's a great assessment tool. Talents. How do you benefit the body with the things that are unique to you that God has uniquely through you? We're going to talk about a lot about this next week. How do you discover that and how you actually make that contribution. But if everyone in the body volunteered to serve with their talent the way you do, where would the church be? Where would the church be? No one does everything. No one's responsible for doing it all. Everyone has a part to play in God's plan. So do your part. What is your part and do it. Fourthly, growing. It's requirement for living for the greatness of the kingdom. You, the result of you losing yourself in the kingdom, belonging to a church body, the giving and receiving of going-ons in that body, what will happen to you in the process, you're not thinking about your growth, you're actually just thinking about the body and serving others and loving others and growing in the commands of Christ with one another. And what happens to you is you, with the rest of the body, all grow together. But you grow with the body as it grows. Y'all get the imagery here? Same thing. My hand grows old. Why? Because the rest of my body is growing old. And it's with my body. Well, it doesn't stay in the 17-year-old. I, I mean, I would love for lots of parts of my body to stay 17, right? No, they all go up. They all go together. They're all older, right? Well, the same thing is true in the body of Christ, that as you are engaged in the body, we are all growing together. And as the body itself grows, you grow too. But it's not that you're looking at yourself going, okay, I'm growing. Am I growing? And I'm, you're not really thinking about that. That's the weird thing about spiritual. You're getting lost in the body. You're, getting, you're losing yourself in the body. You're living for the service of others. You're thinking about others. And in the meantime, what you realize every once in a while is, oh, I'm, I'm different. I'm different. Have you ever in your life been in a different culture or had a new friend when you were younger and you started laughing like they laugh or you started like, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not, I'm not crazy, right? I, I've done that. Or you start actually using words that they use. Or, you know, that's how spiritual growth is. You don't think about it. You just absorb it into what you've committed to. 
Spiritual growth is absorbing the things all around you. The word of God, other believers, worship. And you're, you're interacting with the body and all of a sudden you begin to absorb things. And the Holy Spirit grows us on the inside as we engage with the body, as we engage with his word and one another. And we love and we serve each other. And as we all do this together, something begins to happen in us and we grow mature. That's how spiritual growth works. And this is why I say over and over and over, there is no growth spiritually outside this principle. This is how you grow. Podcasts, all supplemental. Uh, Books, all supplemental. This is the essence. This is where spiritual growth happens. This is where we mature into Christ's likeness. We, We all do it together as we all contribute to the whole. I hope you're getting this imagery. So how does the individual grow spiritually into the image of Jesus Christ? Belonging, receiving, giving, interacting with the body. That's how. So this morning, that's where I was going to stop. And, and, and the Lord gave me a gift. On the way out to Dripping Springs, I drove by a gas station. And I looked over there. And it was a flash image because it like went, it went real fast. And I'm on my way to go to Dripping to, to preach. And I stopped for the first time in the history of me going to Dripping in years. I stopped and did a U-turn. And I said, I got to go back and see this again. I went back to that gas station and I took a picture. And I wanted to show it to you this morning. Y'all got to see this. See, you don't know what to think about this, do you? It makes you uncomfortable. So, but you know what? That was a gift from God. I said, thank you, Lord. That's my closing illustration. I said, uh, okay, so two things strike me from this picture. One is, that ain't made to do that. Amen? All right, so the point is here, be you. Don't try to be a truck. Don't try to be a trailer. Be you. Because when you're just you and you get in the body, be you, that's how we're the most blessed. You trying to be somebody else, we're cheated. Good first point, right? The other one is, I hope I can remember it, that's one part of the body trying to do too much. That you are trying to do what God is really wanting other people to do. And unfortunately, this has been the case in the church. Some people have had to do everything in certain pockets of the church. And they are loaded down so much because they have to make up the slack. Because the demand of the body is high. Because the people are here and the demand is there and it needs to be done and somebody has to do it. But yet there's a large pocket of people who aren't doing their part and you got some that are doing the whole 80-20%. You all know what I'm talking about, right? But when everybody does their part, no one has to do this. I think the other reason I just wanted the picture because I thought that was funny and I just had to share that with you today. So, Your part matters, amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for our meditations today. And and Lord, even just this imagery of the body and how the body works in many parts, diversity and unity and contributions that are made and receiving and benefits that are flowing everywhere and maturity growing up. And Lord, we just pray that you would 
um, by your spirit in our hearts, that you would just put that imagery right out in front of us and, and help us see the pathway for us in a body. All the uncomfortable things that come with that, all the things that that might cost us in our life right now, maybe it be worth it. Lord, I pray that you would show us the beauty of your church and that we, we are part of that. So move all of us where you want us to be. Use all of us as a collective whole for, to do your will. Lord, we thank you and give you praise that you have placed us strategically all together. And all of us have a part to play. And that part matters. Lord, satisfy our hearts as we just walk with you in this. And Lord, take this time of response, Lord, and move us where we need to go. And so, Lord, we take this time and we respond to what you, we hear if you, you, you say. And, and we say what needs to be said. And we vent out all those things that we feel like we need to do business with, with you. And so take this time and meet with us. We pray all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand with me all across the room. This is response time. Let's sing this song. Let's do business with God. Say what needs to be said.